Hello everybody, welcome to another episode of Fanatics Update with Graham and Ryan. On today's podcast, we will be talking the best and worst contracts in Major League Baseball. We're diving into active contracts and seeing our top three best and top three worst contracts in the league today. And after, we will dive deeper into Major League Baseball with our way too early awards, taking a look at assigning our Cy Youngs and MVPs only one month into the season. So, let's get started. Ryan and I have decided we were going to dive in and take a look at the best and worst current contracts in Major League Baseball. So we've taken some time apart from each other to come up with our top three best contracts in Major League Baseball and our top three worst contracts. All of them are current contracts, so on and so forth. Yeah, and the uh, the criteria that we looked at was kind of looking at it from the perspective of the individual teams and how that contract shows the value to them more so than just viewing it from the player's perspective. So this is based on the value that it is for the team specifically. Yep, team specifically. So I'm going to start with an honorable mention. Um, this was a player that did not make my top three list, but is going to be just a mention. Uh, Jose Ramirez for the Cleveland Guardians signing a $141 million contract over seven years, um, which is average about $20 million a year. Um, I mean, he took a huge pay cut to stay in Cleveland. He, he definitely could have gotten more somewhere else. I mean, but that's that's definitely really good value for them. I mean, they don't have a whole lot of a huge budget to allocate to that and for him to stay there on that that's a great contract yeah that's a great them. contract i think i think the reason why it didn't make it into my top three is by the end of the contract he'll be 35 which is a weird range for me with him making 25 million because all my other guys on my list have a good end date with their age and so on with that that it just works really well. Yeah, it's always kind of tricky when you get up into like the mid to late 30s when you're still paying somebody in the 20 plus million dollar range. It just is kind of tough in yep. general. It does get tough. So you want to kick us off with your number three? Sure. So I'll go first. Uh, my number three best contract in baseball, I have Ozzy Albies. Oh, okay. He's on my list too. Seven year, $35 million extension. I have no idea how they got him to agree to that. Uh, that's about $5 million annual value um i mean he's been an absolute stud the last few years for the braves and the fact that he's still going to be on that contract for a number of years to go as he continues to get better and produce at a very high level at second base for them it's an unbelievable value for the team absolutely i mean i was looking into his he's on my list as well i'm not giving away his location yet because i want to keep that uh his gradual increase it only hits a seven million dollar max in a year, yeah, and that that's crazy for his value because he is he is one of their top players for the Braves. Oh yeah, and now when you look at him and what he's doing for now, a seven mil a year like range contract, as it just scales up as it goes, but that backloaded aspect is fantastic. 
I'm, it's just so good because his average salary is about five million a year with it being backloaded, and the contract will be done when he's thirty. Yeah, which is the perfect situation for the Braves. That's I love that contract, and we'll die. I'll tell you more about it in a little bit. But my number three is Wander Franco. I think that. His contract, which is $182 million over 11 years that he had just signed this past offseason, is such a fantastic contract for for the Rays. I mean, you, you look at some of the stats here. It is a long contract for a young player. He will be 31 at the end of this contract. It's 11 years. And his max per year that he'll have with this contract is $25 million. When he's expected to be this phenomenal talent. And if he doesn't get to that point, I still think this is a good contract. But how he's playing right now is just showing the signs of where he'll grow to. Well, we're already seeing some similarities because he's on my list as well. But later on, so we'll, I have him on, on too. So we're on the same page on a lot of these so far. We are. This is kind of surprising. We didn't, for our viewers, we did not talk about this at all. We, Ryan and I, fun fact for the viewers... Currently live together, so we have made sure to not talk about our search process as we've gone through this over the past couple of days to make sure that it's not a staged or script situation, that it is a genuine reaction from us. So, all right, tell me two. Like no shot, we have all the same guys There's just no in a way. different order. There's no way. Well, he's, he plays for the same team as my other guy. My number two is Ronald Acuna Jr.'s contract. Ooh. They signed him to an eight-year, $100 million extension. Yeah, I forgot about this one. Which is like insane value for someone of that caliber to be about in the $14, $15 million range over the life of his contract. Yeah. I believe it starts to scale up at the near the end of it, as most of those kind of extensions do. But... As long as I would say the one like the reason I didn't have it number one is because of like he obviously just came off a major injury and if he like has an injury like consistent injury issues then that could derail it but with his potential at that value is just absurd yeah. and he could easily be a twenty twenty five thirty plus million dollar a year player oh, easily if he's healthy to have him at around fifteen is unbelievable yeah him him being one of the most elite young talents in all of baseball getting signed for that contract is i mean man i'm kicking myself that i didn't put that on my list um my number two is also a center fielder okay by the name of byron buxton from the minnesota twins byron buxton signed a 100 million dollar seven-year contract and he will only average 14 million a year and that's just the base pay. It's just 14 now for the rest of his remaining six years. And that contract is it. It's just those six years that's left on it for only 15 for one of the most elite defensive center fielders in the league. I mean, I'd say going forward, that could definitely shape up to be something crazy. I mean, he's definitely had a breakout year to start out the season. So if he can maintain that offensive level as well as how he's been playing defensively, then I definitely think that it's going to be crazy value for the Twins. Absolutely. Especially as the Twins are starting to build into something that they're becoming a contender with them having the lead in the AL Central right now. They're 
at that point where they're saying, all right, Correa, we're going to give you a contract where we're going to give you these opt-outs as we go along because we're confident in our ability to build a team around you. And Buxton's contract is a huge value to that where they now can say, we have cap space that we can move in and say, we want this guy. We're going to come in, get this guy because Buxton's taking a pay cut and he's here for the team mentality. Correa's here. He doesn't opt out. He's buying into the idea that the Twins have. So that's why I have him too, just because of the huge value that that gives to the Twins. Yeah, and I would say especially with his like him starting to become more of an offensive threat this year, and if he builds on this and continues to develop over the next few years in that regard, then I definitely think that that is just going to make that contract even better than it already is. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Number one. All right, so... My number one kind of hurt his name already a little bit, but I have Wander Franco as my number one contract. Um, obviously, we talked about the 11 years, 182 million. The biggest thing for me, and you've seen a lot of them handed out to Bryce Harper, Albert Pujols over the last several years. Well, his was a long time ago, but the the 10, 11 year contracts are that are given to 29, 30, 31 year olds just never seem to work out well at the end because just getting up in the mid late. 30s early 40s is just not going to end up working out for anybody but the great thing is that Wander Franco obviously just signed the contract and he is 21 and like we talked about it will take him up until when he is still considered by many in, in like the prime of his career in like around 30 so they'll have him under contract for a good rate if he continues to develop for his entire like prime and then they can choose what they want to do after that but to have him locked up for that entire time is a great value for the Rays. Absolutely. I mean, I I had him third on my list for those exact reasons. It's a huge value. And my number one, we've heard his name already, but it's Ozzy Albies. It's the sheer number of what he was given as a whole. His total contract when he signed it was $35 million for seven years. Him as a player now in the league can be a $35 million a year player because of how he's been producing. To think about that and the scale of where he's at now, granted he has three years left on this contract. So he has only three years remaining with what we have going right now, but with him only making $5 million per year, for his talent level as probably the best second baseman in all of baseball at the moment. That is a insane value for the Braves as they are building this team with Olsen, with Acuna Jr., with these guys that they're building around that they are going to give these contracts to, to have Albies at this cheap contract, but him still be one of the top three players on the team is just so clutch for them. So clutch. No, yeah, definitely. Definitely a ton of value for, for Ozzy Albee's contract that he has uh, signed right now for them. So. Absolutely. Now let's flip the script. We now have the worst contracts in Major League Baseball. Uh, I don't have any honorable mentions here, so I'm ready to dive right in if you're ready to dive right in. Yeah, let's get started. Um, I'll start with my number three. Uh just a recent swap here at the end before we we got started but number three i'm gonna put chris sale Ooh. um currently his he signed 
a I believe it was a five year, one hundred forty five million dollar guaranteed contract. Yeah, he's currently still owed over a hundred million of that over the next I believe four seasons, including this one that's currently going on. And he has just been completely unable to stay healthy consistently. Yeah. And even when he was a little bit, uh, he made an appearance, a couple appearances last year. He was just not the Chris Sale that they know. And again, he's injured this year, hasn't been able to play this year. They're not really sure when he'll be able to get out there. So the fact that they're guaranteeing and they still owe him over $100 million over the next several years is just an awful contract for the Red Sox to be that is held on to right now. That is a disgusting contract. And I think health reasons is one is going to be one of those key underlying causes within this category. Because there are a lot of guys that are on my list that had injuries that can't get back to where they were that their contract that they were given before they got injured now doesn't make sense. Chris Sale is a perfect example of that. He was a stud before he got this contract. Got the contract, playing well, gets injured. Now he has this guaranteed money that it's going to be a question mark of if he can even get back to that point. And a guy who's similar to that, and this franchise just is kind of just dead struck with all of these types of players specifically pitchers my number three is Patrick Corbin for the Nationals he was given a 140 million dollar contract over six years he's only one year into that and now he's looking at this contract that's backloaded where he is owed 23 million dollars this season 24 the next season, and $35 million the year after. So he's got three years left of his six-year contract. So he's in that point, and he has not been playing at an elite level for five of those years. In 2021, his win-loss was 9-16 with an ERA of 5.2. And this year he started at 0-5 with an ERA of 6.06. He can't catch a break at all. And he's, I mean, he's just chalked with his contract in the Nationals. Are you going to be stuck with a bad pitcher making a max contract? Yeah, that, he definitely almost made my list because that, that contract is just awful for them. At just Definitely not what you want to see for them. But oh, definitely It was, it was not. very close to making it in. I just went with Chris Sale because of just the crazy amount of money yeah but that is also just horrendously yep. bad so i mean when you're owed 100 million dollars like still chris sale absolutely i i did not even think about him as a prospect i kind of forgot all about him which goes to show why he's on the list because he's easy to forget because of the injury yeah all right number two all right my number two he is beloved in his city, but he is far past his prime. I have Miguel Cabrera's contract. Mm. He is currently uh, 39, I believe. And over the next two seasons, they're going to owe him just about $68 million. Yeah. For age 40, 41 seasons. He's not even a starter anymore for them on a regular basis. So you can't, you don't want to be paying a 39, 40-year-old player that much money if he is an everyday starter and he's not even you can't even rely on him to be an everyday starter anymore and they're just kind of out of luck to be tied for that for the next two years at least they're most likely going to buy him out of his last year that's what i I was going to say he's planning on retiring but 
he's under contract through 2020 into 2024 so mm-hmm. they would be buying off that last year potentially which means that they still do owe him about 70 million over the next two years and that was going to be my thing that's why he's not on my list is because with him retiring most likely by at the end of the season i would i mean i'm pretty 20, positive i'm that, pretty sure he's announced that he's retiring after the 2023 season oh after the 2023 season yeah. okay okay so he retires after the 2023 season then he'll probably work out a buyout because it's it is his beloved team that he has played his career for and has poured his heart and soul into. So I think they could come out a little less than that amount, but it's still gonna be a lot of dead money that they're throwing at a guy well, who's now retired. And this number is for this year and next year, and then they'll have oh, to and buy then him they'll out have to buy him out year. after. Then they'll oh. have to buy him out of that third year. Yeah, that's a bad contract. So that's what the this is the sixty eight million is this year and next year, and then he has one additional year that they'll most likely have to buy him out of. So when did I'm now curious, when did he get that contract? When did he get that? We're we're gonna do our little search here quick. I'm going to be using fan graphs. Yeah. I use fan graphs as my tool. Highly recommend you use it as well. We are not sponsored by them, but hey, if they want to sponsor us, go for it. He signed back in 2016. They signed him to an eight-year, $248 million contract. How old was he? Uh, he was 33 at the time. 33? So, Ugh. yeah, he's owed 32 and 32 <laughs> in base salary this year and next year and then he does have two additional years on top of that but they both are options that come with about an eight million dollar buyout for the team why would the tigers think that that was a good contract at the time i mean i don't know who else is really wanting to go to detroit except for maybe javi now but i I guess why and javi's not even here at fanatics update Ryan and I are very big Cubs fans, so we know, speaking of the Cubs, we're watching the Cubs game as we speak, and that was just a little broken bat single by the Diamondbacks. <sighs> Frustrating. Um, But Javi Baez going to the Tigers, we know he led the league in strikeouts, and he's just a garbage player at times, but also can produce well, great defensively kind of glad that he's not on the team anymore but then again we had to lose everyone but the tigers like you get javi that's a good player but when you're looking at all of the different guys that they can bring in none of them want to go to detroit so i guess it makes sense to sign him to that contract but at the same time like it's I mean, so now, bad now they're, they're just dealing with it now that that's just money they can't give someone else to try and improve their team yeah. but Luckily, Spencer Torkelton's not going to need any money anytime soon. So once this is done and paid off, hopefully they'll be able to afford to pay him. Yeah. Oh, man. All right, let me get to my number two for the worst contracts. It is another pitcher from the Washington Nationals, Steven Strasburg. I almost put him as number one. I was so close to putting him at number one. Might see him on my list. <laughs> but Strasburg making $245 million over seven years, which remaining now is a max $35 million over five years with practically no production. So since his Tommy John surgery that he had, 
he had been sliding for about four years. Uh, he had a little bit of momentum in 2015 where he had a max seven losses, a decent ERA, was doing well. But after the 2019 season, he has only pitched seven total games for the Nationals. He has pitched seven games with only 26.2 innings pitched from 2019. Yeah, he has definitely been on a bad course the last few years, and you'll definitely uh, hear from him on my list soon. But <laughs> Yep, well, spoilers coming, but yeah, that is, he is my number two. So, Ryan, take the floor with your number one. Didn't mean to steal your thunder, but just kind of happened. No, I, I did decide to go with Steven Strasburg as my worst contract in baseball currently. Um like you touched on, I mean, the big thing that really stuck out to me was the fact that he still owed $175 million remaining on his contract. Um, and the other big point, you also kind of touched on that, like, in the last, over the la- course of the last three seasons, he's only pitched about 26 innings of yep. work, and that is just not even remotely close going to cut it for, for his level of production of what they wanted when they signed him. Absolutely. And not even just for his production, but also for the money that he's got. For having that much guaranteed and you're expecting him to be the guy now, now that Scherzer's gone, now that Joe Ross is falling off and all these other guys are starting their slide, they're like, oh, we gave this contract to Strasburg, he'll be good, no stress, and now he's just exactly the same as all of their other falling pitchers like Cor- like Patrick Corbin. Yeah, and I think it definitely is unfortunate for them that he just happened to be healthy in the right window that like coming into the league he had a bunch of injury concerns immediately had to get Tommy John surgery and then he found the window where he was able to be what they thought he could and that's when he got this contract and now he's just back to being like he cannot make his way back onto the field whatsoever and they're just committed to this I don't think the Nationals were going to be very good this year but especially with between the two contracts that we've talked about that they have to two pitchers who aren't playing they definitely don't have any hopes of being good soon. And now the big concern in my eyes with these two huge contracts is you have Juan Soto, who's not 100% set in Washington, so kind of have to keep that in mind with these contracts. Yep. So my number one kind of echoes off of the playing time talk is Robinson Cano for the New York Mets. This contract initially was not horrific. The... The Mariners signed him to a $240 million contract for 10 years in 2014. So the Mariners liked the deal. They then traded it off to the Yankees, which then traded it to the Mets. So we're now looking at this team that is one of the best teams in baseball that's stuck with a guy with a remaining $48 million left on his contract without a trade clause now like he cannot be traded he has a no trade clause and he can't play in the majors they just designated him and now he's gonna be in the minors racking up 48 million dollars left yeah i mean i'm pretty sure they're planning on just trying to like eat the money and and just release him because there's just not much else you can do. And it doesn't help that he was suspended all last year for the PEDs. At, yeah. So that definitely doesn't help the cause. But, I mean, I think it definitely is not helping the Mets out at all to, to have that contract on the books. And when you look at all the other contracts on our list, 
all these guys are still guys that are playing. Besides Miggy. Miggy's one of the only dudes that you look at and you say, he's at the end of his career. He has this money that's just kind of going to become dead weight. But Cano is 100% dead weight money that they will just have to eat and that they won't have an opportunity to utilize him again because he's just washed. I mean, that's true. I mean, they definitely, he doesn't really fit in on the Mets, especially since they're off to a great start. I will say at least he, like, he's not playing well by any means, but at least he is healthy that he could potentially do something. Mm -hmm. Whereas, like, a couple of the other guys we've mentioned literally cannot get into the games whatsoever. Oh, absolutely. And while he he might, might not be great, like, I could certainly see, like, a potential for him to maybe get, like, a DH spot somewhere and just maybe try and make an impact with a hit every once in a while, but mm-hmm. that's probably about it. And that that that's very true. That's very true. So those were our best and worst contracts. Our next segment that we're going to talk about is brought to you by No One Yet. But if you are interested in sponsoring our podcast, please let us know. Reach out to us, and we would love to have you as a sponsor for Fanatics Update. Now let's get back to the podcast. Continuing within our Major League Baseball trend, our way too early awards. We are a month into the season, and we've got some of the big-name awards that we want to hand out after just one month of play. So we're going to hand out our MVP for both the NL and the AL, and our Cy Young for both the NL and AL based on only one month of play. So based on what we have seen for this month and how they've started, we will award who would win the Cy Young and who would win the AL MVP, NL MVP, and so on. So let's take a look at the pitchers first. Let's take a look at the Cy Youngs, and let's start in the NL. Ryan, I'll let you go first. Yeah, so... There are definitely a lot of guys that have been off to a really hot start. Um, but the one guy who's really stuck out to me, and I've gotten a first-hand look at him beating up the Cubs a little bit, um, the guy that I'm going with that has been dom- one of the most dominant pitchers so far in my eyes to start the season is Walker Buehler with the Dodgers. Uh, it pains me to, to pick someone from the Dodgers, but there's just no denying that he has really taken that next step from what you saw him building last year and has really just become elite with all of his pitches and just attacking batters and really being effective at, at doing his thing. Yeah. I, I think that's a good pick. I don't like that. It's, you know, a Dodger cause go Cubs, but yeah, I think, I think Walker Buehler's a good pick, not my pick, but, um, I think that he's good. What's his win loss in the RA? So, he is currently tied for first. He has four wins, one loss, and he's a 1.96 ERA, which is good for top 10 in the league currently. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, a small sample size, to, but to maintain such a low ERA and such a small amount of starts and innings at this point in the season is are very impressive numbers. And so that's oh, why absolutely. I feel he has been deserving of it so far. That makes sense. My pick based on what I have seen so far into the year, is Carlos Rodon from the San Francisco Giants. He gets that new fresh start, and he's looked very good in a Giants uniform. He's 4-1 and one on the year with a 1.80 ERA, which is tied for fourth in the National League. In, he had accomplished that in 35 innings pitched. But the statistic that I think sticks out the most 
for what he has done this season is his strikeout total. Strikeout and ERA are two of the major categories that are looked at for determining the Cy Young, and 53 strikeouts on the year for Carlos Rodon so far is very impressive. That leads National League in all categories, and that beats people like Clayton Kershaw, who is another person that I think could have been a contender. He's 4-0, he has the same ERA as as Rodon, and he only has 32 strikeouts. And then Pablo Lopez only has 35, and he's 4-1 with a 1 ERA, like a 1.00 ERA, and he only has 35 strikeouts. Yeah, Rodon has definitely been off to a hot start. And, I mean, he's proven over the years that he can be an elite-level pitcher. He's just had a lot of issues in previous years with the White Sox, specifically with injury issues and being able to stay healthy. So if this is – he's been healthy to start the year, and, and he shows that he is still an extremely dominant pitcher. Absolutely. And I think him in Chicago for the White Sox, his injury problems – will hopefully resolve itself with a change of location, a warmer atmosphere, and also just him not being on the White Sox because there's probably a curse or something out there uh, against White Sox from all of the Cubs fans. Certainly working out well for him so far. Certainly working out well for him. All right. Well, for our AL Cy Young, I'm going to go first, and I'm going to pick Logan Gilbert of the Seattle Mariners. I think that... He has been the most outstanding pitcher, and I tend to not agree with the uh, pitcher player of the month uh, by Major League Baseball, but I think this month they got it right. Uh, I think Logan Gilbert's 4-1 start on the year with a 2.13 ERA uh, in 38 innings pitched with 42 strikeouts is just very impressive as he won AL Pitcher of the Month for April. I think that he is the outstanding pick for AL Cy Young based on the start again due to his strikeout number yeah he yeah I, that's definitely a good pick for it too he's definitely been off to a good start as well um yeah there's there's so many good guys off to the, to the start of the year it's really hard to 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 pick one particular guy that that stands above the rest but absolutely I mean taking a look at some other names that I was even looking at in my thought process Alex Manoa for Toronto off to a great start fantastic ERA uh, sub 2 ERA uh, 35 strikeouts Uh, another guy Justin Verlander he's 4 and 1 on the year with again a sub 2 ERA Um, he actually has the second best ERA uh, in the American League with 1.55 uh, in 40 innings pitched with 36 strikeouts. So there are a lot of different guys in there for sure that were looking great. Well, and that kind of transitions into who I think would be the AL Cy Young winner right now. And honestly, probably one of the biggest surprises of the season is I thought I picked Justin Verlander mm. to win it. I mean, I, coming back, age 39 season is off to an amazing start. I'm not sure that anybody really would have seen this coming. 4-1, and one, as you mentioned, to start the year, 1.55 ERA with 36 strikeouts. But specifically, like something that stands out over the last 30 days, he is maintaining, like he's 4-0, and maintaining a 1.51 ERA, and he has just been so dominant to start the year out of nowhere after coming off his injury last year. He's just been... One of the most impressive things so far this season to me. Absolutely. I think 
I think Verlander's age, if age was a category that you used as an evaluator for the Cy Young, I think Verlander would have it far, far in his grasp. Because him coming in at such a high age, performing at the same level as a Nestor Cortez or a Logan Gilbert, who are all young, talented pitchers that are now rising into their prime when most people would think that Verlander's falling out of his and proving that he still has it, which is a very impressive start to the year for him. Well, and he's performing extremely well for a pitcher, let alone a pitcher of his age. He's just off to a great year as a pitcher, even if you don't take into account the fact that he's so old compared to everybody else that is around him in the ERA rankings. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So those are our NL and AL Cy Young winners uh, a month into the season. And now we move on to the MVP category. So let's dive into the NL MVP. I feel like this is a pretty easy one. Again, Ryan and I have not discussed this, but NL MVP, Ryan, read my mind, sir. Well, I know who you're going with. (laughs) And... He is definitely a good player. Let me just pull something up here. But Ryan's currently using ESPN as his mode of of navigating, trying to find his NL MVP. Again, not a sponsorship moment, but if you would like to sponsor our podcast, reach out. We'd love to have you. Yeah, so I definitely think that I, I know who, who you have, and he crossed my mind for sure, but you'll get to it. But the guy who I think has been off to one of the hottest starts in the National League is Nolan Arenado for Whoa. the Cardinals. That, that is like poison coming out of your mouth to my ears. That, that doesn't make me happy poison. That, that the Cardinals are, are doing something, but he has been off to a very, very good start for them this year. Um, hitting a 305 average with seven home runs, 26 RBI, which is tied for fifth in baseball, as well as a 943 OPS, which is good for seventh best. He has just been off to an amazing start so far this year. And I think that your guys definitely has a, definitely has a great claim for it, but he has just been unreal so far to start the year. Yeah, Nolan Arenado has been off to a good start, but I mean... How do you not pick Manny Machado? He's been just the overall best player in not just the NL, but all of baseball. So let me give you the rundown of his stats. His batting average, number one in all of baseball with a 383 average. On-base percentage is 460, which is number one in the NL. And he's only behind Mike Trout in all of baseball. His war, the stat that shows that you are the best player in baseball or not is number one in all of baseball he has got a three in war to start the year and his slugging percentage is a 625 slugging percentage which is number one in the nl and behind two guys in the al aaron judge home run leader and mike trout and his ops is number one in the nl which is a 1.085 which all are stats that I view as the most important in determining the MVP. So, I mean, I think it's the obvious choice, and I and I, I love Nolan Arenado for the more, 
out-of-pocket type pick, but I think Manny Machado is just too good to try and overlook the I mean, start of the year. I wouldn't say that he's an out-of-pocket pick. Like, he's not having a good start to the year. Like, you know, say that like he's some like he's struggling or something. It's not completely out of the realm of possibility. But, I no, Manny Machado is having an unreal start to his year, and it's a it's about time that he started to, to do something on that on that deal that he signed. But oh, it's a I mean yeah, it's a is, huge but, contract. I mean, this is the guy they expected to sign, so I mean he's yeah he's definitely off to a crazy start. So and, that is a really good pick for that. And he's rising up in the absence of Tatis, which Tatis, how dumb can you be, injuring yourself in multiple, not just one, in multiple motorcycle accidents to now not play is just mind-boggling for the Padres. But now with Manny Machado stepping up and saying, guys, 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 I got this, really helps them out. So it's it's a huge victory for them. All right, sir, AL MVP. Yeah, so in my mind, I mean, especially the way that, that he started off the year, I mean, there's really two main options in my mind for AL mm-hmm. MVP. I'm going to go with Aaron Judge. Um, just unreal start to the year uh he's batting 305 league leader in home runs at 12 he is 27 rbi which is good to be tied for fifth as well as a 1.037 ops which is fourth in the majors just really clicking on all cylinders to lead to to start the year and again we just see off to such a hot start with the home runs that if if he can maintain that level then he's going to be leading the league in homers easily by the end of the year oh absolutely and i think home runs is a huge category uh to keep notice of especially between the two guys in the al for those of you who don't know who the two are i did mention his name uh in our nl section when we were going through the mvp so make sure you go back and rewind and listen to that because that man is my pick but talking about aaron judge i think looking at what he's done so far to start this season i think that's a great pick uh, I think that there are just two, uh, and I think Aaron Judge is just your preference in player at this point, whether it's the home runs or it's looking at how they are hitting as a whole. And my guy as a whole is one of the best hitters in baseball in proving that he is truly the best player in baseball, like everybody has said for the past couple of years, Mike Trout. He is just killing it out there with, a batting average of uh, three, 337 and an on-base percentage of 462. Easy for me to say, right? And then a slugging percentage of 726 and the second best war of 2.3. And his OPS is a 1.188 OPS, which is number one in all of baseball. I mean, he has been doing so well. And I think the other thing that helps him a little more than Judge is his team's performance as well. Both teams are playing well, and I think that the Angels have had a stronger start due to the expectations that they had set for them, and them living up to those expectations has really helped Mike Trout feel that push to keep going and to prove his worth on this team as well. I mean, I guess I'd push back on that a little bit. I think the Angels 
the Angels were kind of expected. They were almost like it. they have to be successful at this point with how much talent they have. I mean, I think most people were discounting the Yankees at this point to be like, they're they're going to be a good enough team, but they're inherently kind of a flawed team. And they're off to a better start than the Angels. They're 20, I think now with the win tonight, they're 24-8 and eight to start mm-hmm. the year. An unreal start to the season for a team that is really, I'd say, disappointed as far as Yankees fans. Like, expectations go for their team. They're disappointed the last few years, and they're just off to a hot start behind mainly the bat of Aaron Judge, who just over the last 15 days, in just specifically the last 15 days, has 20 RBIs and seven home runs. Yeah, that's crazy. Man. Yeah. I mean, flip a coin for either one, I guess. I mean, I think... I think the Angels definitely have something to prove this season with the guys that they have on their roster and with the expectations for them to be so good. I think Mike Trout is definitely having to step up and be that guy. Uh, I think Aaron Judge is proving that he is that guy for the Yankees. I know that there are a couple characters in that cast that could have stepped up to take that spot if necessary, but Judge took his rightful spot as the number one for the Yankees. Uh, and I think that that definitely helps his case for the MVP for the AL. So those are our way too early awards. Um, in case you missed it, make sure you go back and take a listen to them. But that's all we got for you guys today. So thanks for listening. Make sure you check out our Spotify channel. Go check out previous episodes and take a look for our next episode coming out soon where we will be discussing some more NBA MLB, NHL, we're going to start dipping our toes into a little bit of the world of hockey. Whole lot going on right now. Whole lot going on as we got, looking just at the bracket before we record that next episode, we've got three game sevens, which are going to be some exciting nights to watch of hockey, so make sure you tune into those episodes of Fanatics Updates. Those are going to be some amazing podcasts, and we look forward to seeing you then.